Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Dead Jeffs Productions podcast, episode number 164. I'm your host, Josh or Jay Moskers. Joined this week by special guest Carl Swanepoel of Reverlancer. Thank you for being here. Well, thanks very much for having me, Josh. I really appreciate you coming by. Why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself and Revelancer before we drop right in? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm a tech entrepreneur based in, in the UK. I founded a company called Revelancer, and essentially we connect um, small businesses with uh, skilled individuals, with freelancers, and we look to solve some some issues that have existed in the freelancing space for a number of years. And basically, I run that company full time um, from you know, for, for about two years now, near, nearly two years since the company was started. And the platform um, that the company offers has been live for uh, just under one and a half years at, at this point. Um, so it's been been quite an exciting journey um, starting a business, especially just out of university as well. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's been a, a very exciting ride so far. And going back over like some of the things you've worked on, it seems like you have a You've had quite a ride of different experiences as far as I know you did buy sell jobs. It looks like uh, the watch face. Um, what what got you really started thinking like I can do this? I can, you know, start up my own business and, and do this. It's, especially you were what sixteen at the time, I think, uh, even a little bit earlier than that, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm basically at, at quite a young age, so at around age thirteen or, or, or fourteen, I forget exactly when. Um, but I just one day kind of realized that I really wanted to work for myself. And that was something that was very important to me. Uh, I I don't know, you know, where I got this idea from, especially at that age. Um, But nonetheless, it it stuck around. And immediately, I I took it very seriously. So I I tried to figure out how to make money online. You know, I I started by googling exactly that how to make money (laughs) online. Um, I found freelancing platforms. So I actually uh, started freelancing, made a little bit of money that way, Um, you know, kind of quickly realized that the existing platforms weren't working. Then I started my own, um, ended up selling that uh, about six months after starting it because I was too young to have a a PayPal account and therefore (laughs) operate the platform any longer. But, you know, basically um, growing up since I I was around 13 or 14, um, all the way until the present day, you know, I've always been, uh, starting lots of different um, online projects to, to try and make money, starting different websites, different businesses. Um, so I don't know. It's it's something that I've always been a lot more interested in than than school or anything like that. It's something I've been doing for right. a while and something I intend to continue doing. Awesome. Did you have uh, uh, like a, in my case in particular, like if I'm ta- if I talk to my family about you know like podcasting or you know social media and stuff like that they they understand what like social media is don't get me wrong but uh did you have like that uh like support structure where they kind of understood what you were doing or was it all kind of new to them as well um unfortunately i mean you know my my parents it gave gave me a lot you know i'm, I'm very grateful mm-hmm. for for everything they they did I, I think they they did a great job um but when it came to sort of uh, me starting different online projects especially while they thought i I should be concentrating on school (laughs) um it caused a lot of um a lot of arguments and a lot lot of Mm. friction uh you know (laughs) between us for for quite some time so um you know they they weren't really that understanding to begin with but uh, i i I do believe that they are today which is which is really good good. yeah because i can i can see that being a maybe a generational sort of difference too. 
Um, my, my parents moved away, so I haven't had them around in years. But like I, I grew up spending a lot of time with my grandparents and trying to explain to them what YouTube was was a, a very lengthy, difficult discussion trying to get them to understand it at all. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I can't imagine. Um, yeah. it's, it's crazy how much can change in a generation. So what was your what was your background like that helped you learn how to, you know, do uh, some of the projects you worked on at such a young age? Or was it a lot of self-taught? Uh, um, I mean, skills? my my background, I don't think aligned very much with with what <laughs> I was was doing. I mean, especially at that time, 13, 14, I was still very much in, in kind of, you know, um, the UK equivalent of middle school. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, it, yeah, I. I, I nothing that I learned at school was really useful for, for what I was doing. So it was all self-taught. I, I very much used tools like YouTube, you know, different podcasts, um, blogs and so on to, to kind mm-hmm. of teach myself by looking at, um, you know, what other people were, were doing who had already achieved some level of success in, in a given field that I was trying to learn. So that was kind of my, my strategy um, from the beginning. Yeah. I, I found, especially like you mentioned YouTube too, is, I find YouTube very helpful as far as like learning how to do skills, especially if you can see it. I'm a very hands-on learner and uh, being able to see somebody else doing the exact same thing and just kind of, even if I'm not creating something myself, like being able to copy what someone is doing in a specific program, I find very helpful in learning the ins and outs of a program by, you know, rinsing and repeating. Uh, Is that sort of like an experience you might have had maybe? It, it absolutely is. I'm a very visual learner. Um, in fact, I, I remember many instances of um, being at university and then sitting in a one-hour lecture, not absorbing, you know, a single mm-hmm. <laughs> useful kind of piece of information out of that. Coming out of that lecture, not understanding the topic at all, yeah. then going on onto YouTube, <laughs> watching a five-minute video, and then suddenly un- understanding it perfectly. Yeah, I had a um, I had a similar thing when I was in college. I had a a computer programming course and I learned extremely quickly that I had no interest in computer programming because it was just me sitting there looking at random stuff on a screen not like you said not absorbing any of it and then leaving wondering what I was doing <laughs> yeah no a- a- absolutely um <laughs> but <laughs> you you can certainly learn a lot um learn a lot from from YouTube very very quickly I find yeah not to say that there's no benefit in going to to university or college or anything like that there's definitely a lot of skilled people there that can work with you to try and uh, explain it in a way that benefits you the most there are definitely teachers i had that were like that yeah absolutely there, there are definitely um some some very good lecturers out there but but also the connections that you can make at, mm-hmm. at university you know it's uh it can can be very good yeah so you worked on buy sell jobs and then uh you weren't able to have the paypal account to, to do anything with that what what made you go from that to the watch face like what was the leap there um well i mean with with buy sell jobs um i i did manage to grow the user base to about two thousand users um mm-hmm. i didn't have any advertising money nor did i know anything about online marketing so my yeah. my strategy <laughs> was basically just to look on twitter when anyone was speaking about my competitors i would send them a message you know and say hey join my platform too um got you know to about 10 to 20 daily transactions on on the platform and that's when paypal nice. started lo- locking my accounts um <laughs> because of the amount of uh, mon- money that was moving through there and you know how it increased in a short period of time mm. um 
So, you know, that's when, when I then had to, you know, I, I opened another, another PayPal account. They locked it again. I couldn't verify I was over 18. My, my parents certainly didn't want to give me a <laughs> PayPal account in their name to use. Uh, so, you know, so in, in the end, I, I had to sell that platform. Um, but I, I mean, you know, with, with the watch face, uh, I was very interested. Uh, I mean, I am to this day very interested in, in mechanical wristwatches. So it was a, a you know a hobby of mine, a, a passion, an interest. Um, so I wanted to basically you know just write write about that. And I think to that point, I I think before that I did actually try and start one blog before, but it was very much like uh, you know when I was sort of starting out at age fourteen approximately. You know, I was mm-hmm. trying to write about how to make money online before I really even. <laughs> you know, <laughs> achieved very much. Um, so, you know, it was, yeah. I don't know, probably quite useless. If I write now. about it, maybe I'll teach myself how to do it sort of scenario. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> kind of, um, yeah, it's long gone now. But yeah, the, the, the watch face, you know, I was kind of writing about an, an interest of mine. Um, taught me a lot about how to grow a, a blog online. Again, you know, was I was a teenager. I didn't have any marketing money. So I had to figure out, you know, how can I share something in a Facebook group and and for it to kind of go viral? How can it, mm-hmm. you know, get the most amount of interaction? So it was a very, very valuable learning experience. And in fact, um, over the lifespan of that website, it, it got, it had something like 600,000 um, total unique readers, nice. um, which, which I was very pleased with, especially because again, most of those came from organic search um, and mm-hmm. sort of my my uh, Facebook uh, group antics. Um, so yeah, it was a very, very useful learning experience for me. So you went, you did that. And then uh, how old were you when you did the watch face? Were you still in high school at that point? Or like uh, you weren't at university yet rather? No, no, I was still in school. Um, I okay. started it right at the end of 2015. So I would have been, um, yeah, 16. Okay. So then you, you went from there to university then, I guess? Yeah, um, I, about three years later, I, I went to university. Nice. So you do that. You mentioned, I again, I'm just kind of going down your page just to do an overview before we really dive into some stuff. You did the uh, the business show at 15. You were a brand ambassador for them. What is Yes. Can you, can you explain that? Because I'm not really familiar with the, the business show. Yeah, sure. So it's it's Europe's largest business conference. They get something like thirty thousand um, visitors. It, oh. You know, it's an it's an in person thing. About thirty thousand visitors um, every year or so, if I remember correctly. Um, nice. And basically, they asked me to be a brand ambassador for the first time when when I was fifteen for the event, um, which which was really exciting. I, I have been yeah. a brand ambassador for a, f- a few times and also gave a I exhibited there with with a marketing agency of mine. And I also gave a, a keynote speech there in front of an audience of about a hundred people. Nice. That's uh, at fifteen. I was, I think I was at home playing video games. I was not giving keynote speeches at large conferences. So it's very impressive. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I think there are more interesting things I could have been doing, but for for yeah. some reason, I've always been very drawn to this kind of stuff. So, if yeah. you, I mean, if you're enjoying it, it's interesting. So, I mean. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I always um, considered this stuff uh, procrastinating, you know, so so always I, I would ignore school and then try and, you know, make money online and build websites and that kind of stuff. And I, and I always saw it as, as procrastination, as something bad, you know, as my parents told me, as my teachers told me, but I just didn't care because it's what I wanted to do. Um, so even to the point where once I graduated from university, you know, and being in a fortunate position of now being able to run my business full time, yeah. um, it, it, at the beginning for a long time, I kind of struggled with, with a feeling of guilt where I felt, I felt great doing it all the time, but it felt like I was just slacking off and procrastinating, even though in reality I was working, you know, 50, <laughs> 60 hour weeks. Um, so yeah, kind of a, I have a strange relationship with, um, with this kind of stuff. You went on, you worked with the, you did Rocket Blast Digital. Um, yes. What Can you explain that a little bit as well? Yeah. So that was my, um, my web and marketing agency. Um, I, I started that uh, in, in uh, early 2018. Um, I started it w alongside somebody that I had met um, in, you know, one of my final school years as well. Uh, we we did something very silly, um, which is that we hired an office on my high street. So like, you know, relative to offices that we could have rented, it was probably quite a pricey one. Um, and, and it was an especially useless one because we could have delivered um, all of our client work remotely. Um, but this was before COVID. So I guess it was less yeah. obvious, even though it should have still been very obvious. Um, <laughs> But you know, it was a very interesting experience as well, and and having that office actually led to meeting the co-founder of a, a multi-billion-dollar um, company, which you know who is now um, an advisor of ours still. So it it nice. led to something very positive. Thanks. And then I'll I'll jump ahead of it here. You worked with uh, uh, Leap Into, which it looks like you're helping people uh, like younger individuals, you know, start their careers up by connecting them with people that might be able to help them in a certain career path? Yes, uh, absolutely. Um, but unfortunately, we had some real difficulty getting that pr project off the ground and very much not in the way that you would probably expect. Um, so, uh, you know, like like you mentioned, it's very much identifying people at the start of their career with people who have achieved something in their career, you know, maybe 10, 20, 30, 40 years down the line. Um. And connecting them so they can have a meaningful conversation and sort of guide the people who are starting out. Because one one question that I will always ask people who are sort of close to the end of their career, if I meet them, is yeah. I'll say, what's one piece of advice you would give to yourself at the beginning of your career? And the mm -hmm. answers are always so interesting. So it was kind of inspired a little bit by that. Um, but, you know, we we set up all kinds of events. We ha um, had did a, a lot of... Um, we, we had a lot of press around it as well. We collaborated with a large co-working chain um, who who did a press campaign around it too. We collaborated with um, different universities, colleges, schools, and in, in the you know in different areas too. Um, and in the end, we found that getting you know extremely established um, biz, you know business owners, entrepreneurs, people who are very far in their career have achieved a lot it was very easy to get them to come for free you know and offer their their time and advice but it was actually very hard um, getting the other side to come to the table you know the <laughs> beneficiaries so yeah. it was a very frustrating experience um you know especially because my co-founder and i we realized the value you know and the extreme generosity of these people giving up their time and coming for free 
you know, to, mm-hmm. to these kind of events. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think the sort of the silver lining that came out of it, and we very well may still do something more with it in, in the future, but mm-hmm. the silver lining for now out of that whole experience is that if you are proactive and if you want to learn from, from people who, you know, have achieved something, um, if just reaching out to them that, you know, in general, people will be very willing to talk to you and very willing to help. And and that, you know, was actually a very positive out- outcome from that. I was going to say too, have you had, I didn't know if you'd considered uh, like a, an approach similar to what Masterclass does, if you're familiar with Masterclass. Um, a, a little bit. Yeah, a little okay. bit. From the I, I haven't used it a ton, but I, I used it for like some uh, smaller projects, just learning how to like do some extra like writing and uh, like video content. And it was pretty interesting um, just being able to like, you know, you feel like you're almost in a one-on-one with the person where it's just them sitting there, you know, directly working through the camera with you almost. And uh, obviously it's like a pre-recorded video, but it, the idea of being able to sit there and really learn, you know, in a, a nice quiet setting, you know, how like all the intricacies of it, it's really broken down step by step to slowly build up, you know, your skill set, similar to what you would do in school. You know, like, especially like I'll use math as an example, you know, you're building the fundamentals up and you just keep expanding upon, you know, every little step of the way. And uh, it was an interesting, you know, program to use. Um, I don't know if that's something that might work in a business environment as well. Maybe I'm not sure. You know, I I think it it very well could. It very well Mm -hmm. could. Um, But, you know, our intention with this was always for it to kind of be a very part-time completely not-for-profit kind of project oh yeah yeah for sure yeah. um but yeah I, I mean you know if, if anyone is listening then i think those are definitely two things that are worth combining and i think you would do a lot of good and, and probably um you know make make some money out of it as well and then eventually you moved on and you did a revel answer which was kind of the the main thing i was hoping to touch on what got you started with that specifically yeah, sure. So, I, I mean, I mentioned that I started my my journey freelancing, got frustrated with existing platforms, then st- started my own platform and, and ended up selling that. Um, but basically, towards the end of my university, so I was in, in my final year, halfway through my final year, um, I knew that I wanted to start a business, you know, like a, a very serious business when I graduated rather than just, you know, all these different, you know, small projects that I was running all the time. Um, and and I, I actually I don't know quite why, but uh, but I decided to look at the freelancing platforms that I had started my journey on, and just to see what what they're doing nowadays. And to my greatest shock and horror, they had not changed or innovated what they do at all. And and what made that you know even more um, just jaw droppingly strange is the fact that we were currently at that time in a COVID lockdown. It, it was about, about a year after the pandemic had, had started. So, you know, people were already very much used to it, ha- had adapted. Um, and, and uh, you know, and one of the quirks of these platforms, these traditional platforms of how they operate is they take a, a very large cut of your earnings. So they police how you talk to clients. So they won't let you video call. They won't let you talk outside of the platform in any way. So the the shocking thing here was, you know, with video calling now being such an essential part of remote work, um, you you know, the these current platforms, they won't let you video call. They won't even let you email, you know. Hmm. Um, so I, I knew that there was 
it was very much time to to innovate this space. I mean, I even thought that back in 2015 that the current model was outdated, but you know, it's especially outdated now. So you know, I, I thought I'd have a go at um, at changing it for the better. Nice, yeah. Uh, you you do like webs. I mean, you connect people from all sorts of backgrounds, like graphic design, websites, like programming, writing, all sorts of things. Yeah, um, absolutely. So anything that can be done remotely and will benefit mm-hmm. a small business. Nice. What was what was the experience like for you, at least trying to like, you know, I mean, obviously you had a background at that point in, you know, working with like a startup style business here and, you know, working on your own business. What was it like putting together uh, like a team to get this all started? Or... I mean, it was very exciting and, and a, a huge amount of the stuff that I did and still do is completely new to me. So, for example, this was the first time that I, you know, employed people, you know, sort of a, a, as an employer. Um, you know, there, there are lots of firsts here. Also f- around fundraising, this is the first time that I've raised investment. You know, I had no idea how to approach investors or if I did get on a call with them or whatever, what what to say to them and, and sort of how to close the deal and then all the legals around fundraising and, and so on. So like all, all this stuff I didn't know before. Um, but my my attitude has always been, you know, I don't need to have all the answers up front. It's not possible to have all the answers up front, mm-hmm. but you can learn as you go. Um, uh, and that's just always been my my sort of philosophy. So, you know, kind of think, oh, you know, one day I want to build this incredible company. So what's step one? You know, think think of an idea. Okay, step two, how do I how do I get p- other people excited about it? How do I present it? What's, you know, what kind of key points about it are the most exciting? You know, and then they just kind of go from there. So you figure it out bit by bit. Um, and also the, the team, you know, was kind of built over an extended period of time. You know, we've hired some people who are no, no longer with us. Um, you know, in, in some cases, that's a shame. In some cases, it's very much for the best. But, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the team that we have now is, is, uh, is really incredible. Um, you know, and, and, uh, and it's taught me a lot as well about t- building a great team, about leadership, about how, how to hire the right people. So... Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been a very interesting and, and exciting journey, and I'm sure it will continue to be. You mentioned like what it's like building the team and uh, hiring the right people. What is what was the experience like? Actually, like quote unquote, being the boss, like you know, being in charge of hiring people and actually managing people. Did you have any experience like team, like leading a larger team? Maybe at, you know before this, obviously you had previous you know think pl- projects you were working on, but maybe not something as expanded upon as this. Well, I mean, it's certainly in, in, in ways. So for example, at the watch face, I had a team of, I think it was either nine or 10 um, Mm. contributors who wrote articles for me, but that wasn't employment because those were people who who also shared my, my interest and, um, you know, wrote those articles just so that they could have their article kind of published to a larger audience. Um, mm-hmm. So I was very much, you know, managing them as as well. And, and so I, you know, I, 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 and, and there are other examples too, like, for example, with um, Rocket Blast that, that had a, a couple of people work, working there. Um, and at university, I was the sort of the team leader for a couple of group work projects. So I've certainly had had experience in that um, arena. But I, th- I think the most important thing that I, you know, ki- kind of knew starting out and, and is very much key now as well, is um, if you 
hire the right people, then you don't really need to manage them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and and that's I think so powerful because pe- people have asked me a lot. You know, how how on earth do I manage kind of managing people? Yeah. Um, and and it's not something I enjoy. I don't want to manage people. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, but. I make sure that I work with the right people who are, you know, their motivation comes from within themselves. They mm-hmm. are conscientious. They they do a great job. And at that point, all I really need to do is kind of set a clear vision and then be yeah. there to remove obstacles from their path. And that's all the, you know, quote unquote management that I really have to do. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I was going to ask too, if you felt like a different sense of responsibility for it, you know, being this person's employer, uh, as opposed to just having them contribute because, you know, speaking from my own experiences, you know, I've, I've have been, like, I'm, I've never employed people personally, but I've been, you know, in a position of management and it's, it's a weird, ex- it was a weird experience for me, at least going from, I'm just here, you know, because this is my job to, I now need to make sure these people are in the best position possible to succeed. Did you have sort of like a, you know, experience learning like the, feeling of responsibility for them maybe very much so um in fact that's i think you know i think that's probably the hardest part of what i do is you know knowing that the decisions that i make you know if i make a wrong decision it could lead to people losing their jobs and you know Mm -hmm. losing losing their livelihoods um or on the other hand if i make a right decision it could mean to the team you know tripling in size over the next year or or whatever it is so there is a lot of responsibility in, in making those decisions. And I take that very seriously. Um, and then all, you know, also making sure that the company has um, sufficient runway, uh, you know, that, that we kind of fundraise at the right points of time. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it there is a huge, huge element of, of responsibility there, but I think it's very important that, you know, someone in my position feels that, um, you know, so, so that they can act appropriately and, and actually, uh, as far as tech startups go, um, mm-hmm. you know, o- offer a relatively stable environment um, to the to the people who are trusting, you know, who are trusting me and trusting the company um, with, you know, with their, their, their time and with their sort of commitment. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think especially with small businesses, it really is more of a like a team effort more than anything. I mean, I work for a, a large company and yes, it's important that everyone is on the same page and, you know, and doing what they need to do. Uh, but I, I feel like, especially like a company with thousands of employees, it's a lot harder to notice the impacts of one person, maybe not at a hundred percent. If they're at like 90%, it seems like maybe with a smaller company like Revelancer, perhaps, uh, it really is, you know, this is a team centric environment. We're all really relying upon one another to, to get everything done. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we can tell very quickly, you know, if someone isn't <laughs> isn't isn't pulling their weight, um, yeah. you know, in, in a sort of a resolution of even hours, you know, half days, days mm-hmm. <laughs> can tell very very quickly. Um, but in you know, with the current team that that we have, that very rarely, you know, if if actually ever happens, um, mm-hmm. you know, just. Because I, I think if if people are more interested, because I, a very good friend of mine, um, you know, I, I I'm not going to mention what industry this is in, just in case, but he he um, started working. I think more or less the same time that I started Revlon. So he he started working um, 
for a company and he was sort of you know telling me that he just watches netflix shows basically all day <laughs> and he still somehow manages to do more work than the other people who have joined at, at his level yeah. so he he's not even you know one of the he's like one of the best performing people at his level then it just kind of <laughs> blows my mind um you, you know but i think people like him uh you know, or if you were to bring that attitude, he definitely wouldn't want to or really be able to work at Revelancer. Um, so yeah, I think the people who are currently working here are are actually very interested in, in the work that they do and very driven to to do the work that they do as well. I don't know if you're out, if you're able to say it. Do you have like a fully remote working uh, condition? Like, is that what it's like? Or we do. Yeah, everyone oh, okay. is remote at the moment. I wasn't sure what it was like over in the UK in general either right now, because I know here in the US, we have a lot of businesses that, you know, were fully remote. I, I mean, I was fully remote in 20, what was it, 2020, I guess it would have been. Um, and now a lot of those businesses are saying, hey, we want you to come back. Um, we don't really have any good reason why, to be honest. I guess they're slightly concerned maybe about productivity, but I was curious what the conditions were over in the UK in general, if you had any idea. Um, I, I think it probably reflects that to, to some degree. Um, okay. But I, I think, you know, I, I think, again, if you hire the right people, mm -hmm. then it doesn't really matter where they are, if they're being watched or not, they're going to do productive yeah. stuff. Um, I, I really think personally that, you know, sort of bringing employees into the office because you're scared that they won't be productive at, at home is a mm -hmm is a sign that either, you know, the company is doing some terrible management or that you've really hired the wrong people um, or, or maybe a combination. I, I don't know. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I think if you work with the right people then you can leave them to do their own thing. But also I have found that you can get the most out of people if they feel valued and and feel trusted. You know, you're not mm -hmm. sort of looking off to, over their shoulder every, every um, you know, five minutes. So, yeah, I mean, I, I personally, I'm not a big fan of what a lot of these big companies are doing. I think another big reason is because they, they own the sort of real estate or they're renting I, all these big yeah, office was, blocks and so on. I was going to say, it is interesting watching how a lot of like, especially like, like specifically where I live, uh, there's a lot of businesses that had to go remote just because of the lockdowns. They weren't allowed to be there in person. And they, they were all like businesses that owned the you know the, the buildings they were in uh or they you know had rented out you know the businesses the uh, the buildings they were in and so they kind of have that you know investment already going into it and they feel like they're kind of missing out if they don't utilize the space they've you know involved themselves with yeah but i i think at the same time that they are kind of doing their employees a real disservice by by thinking about it in that way uh, I mean, what, what I've heard of some companies doing in, in the UK, actually in London, is they kind they sort of changed their offices around. So rather than, you know, having cubicles or, or kind of like mm -hmm. just lots of desks, it's now much more meeting rooms that have, you know, kind of a webcam and a TV in there. Um, yeah. And then the, the thinking is, you know, you can come into the office and work from there. You can definitely come into the office, you know, if you need to take a meeting. Um, but otherwise you can work from home. So it's kind of hy hybrid flexible. Um, and that's much more what, you know, what I think um, people should be, or, you know, or, or companies should be doing. I, I quite like that approach. That's that's essentially what I do. I mean, I go into an office in the morning and then I come home after a couple of hours and I work the rest of the day remote. Um, 
I would lose my mind if I got stuck in an office all day. Like even the way we have it set up too, because we have a smaller space. It is like you said, like cubicles. And I would lose my mind sitting there with the walls around me all day. I wouldn't be able to do it. Um, yeah, absolutely. Me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah, but it is it is interesting to see, you know, how <clears throat> excuse me, how businesses have approached the, uh, you know, suddenly having to change due to the lockdowns, and then seeing how they've reacted to things being opened back up. Um, but like you said, hiring the right people. I mean, I work in uh, on a commission. So if I'm not doing my job, I'm just not getting paid anyway. So I have all the in- incentive I need right there to keep putting in uh, as much effort as I need to, to to keep myself going. But maybe in other positions, it's not the same. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. I, I, I think the, there are some some issues with being paid only hourly. I, I think like having a base hourly pay just so if, you know, if, if the commission just doesn't happen for whatever reason that you're not, you're not in trouble. Uh, yeah. But I, I, I do, I, I do question sometimes just this idea of having like a purely hourly pay um, because, you know, I, I mean, I, I have had it myself where, you know, there's been a week that hasn't really been massively productive, but then there's been sort mm-hmm. of a half, half an hour meeting in which we came up, you know, with an idea that radically changed the whole company and, you know, re- really put it on a better path and generated a huge amount of shareholder value. So, so like time and value are not really linked, I think, in, in, in any job. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, yeah, I very much question the, um, you know, having only hourly pay, but maybe having some sort of like a base hourly pay and then a bonus scheme or commission or or something mm-hmm. like that could could work better for a lot of jobs out there. I can see that because there, I can definitely see scenarios in which case, like somebody is being, uh, you know, they're paid like a, a flat salary maybe, and they decide, you know, I mean, this is worst case scenario, I guess. They could decide, you know, I'm just not feeling it this week. I'm going to come in. I'm just going to slack off, uh, you know, this whole week. They're still getting their normal pay, even though they haven't been productive, like you were saying. Uh, I, I see what you're saying with having the, the base pay with the, the bonus sort of structure with the commission uh, could be effective. It is, I guess it sort of depends on the industry though, too. Cause if you're talking like, uh, I don't know, like a retail position, maybe it's kind of hard to structure that with a commission. Cause you, a lot of those people aren't really in the position where they can influence customers and in, in purchasing things maybe. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's absolutely true. Um, perhaps that uh, there are some jobs where, where that that model doesn't really work so well, but um, I think there are a lot of jobs where where it does too. You know, especially may, maybe more um, sort sort of office jobs. Yeah. I think in a lot of cases where that isn't the, you know, isn't the way currently, it maybe mm-hmm. could be could be better that way. It could depend on who you're uh, hiring as well, because I know I worked, I used to work at a university, and uh, in the university we had a a Starbucks right in the the one building and they hired mostly you know high school students because it was just a revolver they didn't need anyone there long term necessarily because they constantly had these teenagers coming in who just wanted a job uh but you know before they went off to to university and uh that was a a situation at times where i'd go down and it's very clearly you know high school kids who are just there to collect a few dollars before you know moving on with their lives and it uh yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you would do to to really solve that issue, but that's why I'm not a manager, I guess. 
Well, I, I mean, I don't know, maybe giving them like a sort of a base pay plus, um, I don't know, X, you know, like a small amount, maybe like 10, 20, 50 cents or, or whatever it is, you know, per kind of um, drink that they sell. Yeah. Because it's especially, you know, if it's sort of a busier time, if, it, if it's, it's a busier period, you know, the mm-hmm. business is making more money. They are having to work harder to deliver these customer True. orders. It makes sense that they can, you know, get a little bit of a, a bump from that as well. Yeah. It, I don't know. It was interesting. There is. It is weird. I, I, get, I don't know if it, it just has to do with, you know, certain age groups, because we had a lot of the older people that work there, too, that that were you would be slacking off or even they just wouldn't know what to do. Then we had a couple of the high school kids that would come in and just work there like crazy. And they would, they would just be knocking stuff out left and right. And it was a good experience for me at some points because uh, they would do uh, samples a lot. They'd go around with the little, I'm not sure what you call them, the tiny little cups you might use to like, you know, rinse out when you're brushing your teeth or whatever. And yeah. uh, they'd go around with samples like that. And a lot of times they'd have like 10 to 15 of those left over after walking around with their little tray. And they'd pour them all into one cup and bring it up to my desk for me. It was I was very thrilled with that. Oh, nice! <laughs> so I'd, I'd constantly be getting like a, what was it like a frosted like lemon bread? I'd get little samples of like hot chocolates and smoothies and stuff. It was a, it was a very nice experience. <laughs> I can imagine. I wish I, I had that. I need that at home. I need someone to walk around with samples for me here at my my office at home. That'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, there's there's one reason not to work from home, I guess. I guess, yeah. Um, but it is nice to be able to get up and just walk out to the kitchen and make myself food whenever I need it. But yeah, absolutely. I was ask too, do you have uh with Revelant back to Revelancer, do you have like specific goals you're trying to hit with that as far as maybe like growth or expanding and you know, a dip you know, maybe a different direction with it or anything like that? Yes, lots. I, I mean, um, we uh, lo- this time last year we had about six hundred users. Um <laughs> We now have about 15,000. And by the end of this year, we want to have 100,000. So that's that's quite an exciting um, quite an exciting journey. And we've, we have those goals set. Um, but ultimately, the long-term goal is just to change the freelancing industry for the better and to mm-hmm. bring it into the 21st century where it belongs. Okay. Here's a, I guess this is a different question. Like, obviously, you have, you mentioned before, too, anything that can be done remotely is something you're trying to offer through Revelancer, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I guess my, my question was going to be how you'd expand upon that. Obviously, you want to get more users. Is there a way to grow the business other than the user number? Is there a way to expand it? I'm, I'm not really... I was just kind of curious. Um. Yeah, I mean, there, there are absolutely other things that we could go to in, in the future, such as, um, you know, like in-person kind of freelancing stuff. Okay, yeah. I see what you're um, you know, there, there we have lots, lots of different ideas, but mm-hmm. we're sort of focusing on on what we do well. You yeah. know, what, while we have a sort of a smaller team, and then really perfecting mm-hmm. that, and then as we as we grow at a larger scale, we can start looking at other things. Um, you know, other areas that we can go to uh, as well to improve yeah. freelancing in other ways too. Obviously, I can understand wanting to grow the user base. That 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 makes sense to be that the the main focus. Uh, it's just interesting to me, like, uh, watching as some, like I've seen some businesses, you know, that I, I've known people that work for where they do grow it and then they start to branch out. They just kind of put feelers out in other directions where maybe they can expand in a market. They haven't attempted at touching before. You mentioned like in-person events, things like that. 
um, it doesn't, that's not like your main uh, goal though. It seems it's just growing the user base, which is makes sense. Obviously. Yeah. I, I mean, there's, there are certainly other components to that too, such as retention, mm -hmm. kind of daily active users, revenue, yeah. um, the, the, the stickiness of people staying on, on, you know, sort sort of those monthly subscription plans. So there there are different components uh, to to that as well. But yeah, it's very much at the moment focused around uh, really refining our our you know core offering um, that we we specialize in. When you're trying to grow your user base, is that more uh, clients coming in looking for um, people to you know the freelancers, or are you trying to get more freelancers on uh, as well? Yeah, I mean it's it's very much both. Um, it's yeah. it's it's almost like running two different businesses at the same time. I can yeah, I mean that makes that makes sense. Um, I know like a, one of the things I've done with with our content is I've had you know I've reached out to artists to get you know posters made. Uh, I've hired a couple of video editors over time to just do some small projects and things like that. Um, a lot of the communities I found are on like Reddit. Do you have any uh, ideas on like getting people from Reddit, maybe using your uh, like Revelance or things like that? Or is it more like a more broad outreach maybe? Um, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, we have different, lots of different kind of individual marketing campaigns to, to onboard people who we believe, you know, the yeah. platform may, may be of interest to. Um, I, I know that Reddit specifically, uh, you know, sort of people on Reddit will sniff out self-promotion yeah. um, probably better than anyone else, you know, anywhere I've ever seen before. Yeah. So, uh, you know, self-promotion on Reddit is kind of a, it's a dangerous game to mm -hmm. say the least. So that, that, you know, that's not, we, we kind of do a lot more other things like collaborating with, with influencers who have a large following in our space oh, okay. um, or sort of running social media ads and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you, you might have some, you certainly might have some success onboarding freelancers on, on Reddit, but, you know, e equally people are very allergic to, to self-promotion mm -hmm. on there. So, yeah. I guess I worded it poorly, but you did answer what the, the question ended up being. But yeah, like that, like I said, like that's sort of how I've found people myself for projects is I would go on Reddit. There's like art commissions uh, is one of the threads. Um, I found people on like Twitter. Like I, I, I spend a lot of time. I, I just enjoy artwork to begin with. And so like seek, like looking out at like the different works people put out, I get a feel, you know, for what kind of uh, art style they have. And it, it helps me connect with them in that way. Same with the uh, like video editors. I've found people, you know, on all sorts of different websites doing things like that. Um, do you get a lot of uh, like video editing art style, um, you know, freelancers or is it more professional like website design, you know, the marketing business side of things? Well, I mean, actually, graphic design is our n number one largest um, category. Oh, okay. So yeah, I mean, we we do get uh, sort of a lot of creative folk. And another you know big category of ours is marketing, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and media, you know, which are both also very much um, create creative fields. So yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't sure because I know like, I mean, as someone who doesn't spend a lot of time you know, involved with like freelance work and things like that. I was curious as to how that dynamic sort of worked, if it was more business oriented or, 
you know, just individual design sort of style. That's interesting. I, I wouldn't have expected it to be so, you know, mixed together as much. Um, yeah, well, I, I mean, um, I, I think on a platform like that, you can really showcase visual stuff very well, you know, so mm-hmm. anything to do with photo or, you know, video or graphics or so on, um, you can really showcase that that well. So it makes sense. Uh, so I'll ask you this then. So like, let's say I'm a freelancer, uh, like I'm freelance graphic artist, right? How would I go about using Rebel Answer to get in touch with clients that might be interested in having me work with them? Yeah, sure. So essentially, you you would just go to Rebel Answer. You'd click on Find Clients, um, sign mm-hmm. up, create a free profile, um, and then once you've filled that out, you'll have an option to upgrade to Rebel Answer Plus, which means you can bid on more client projects, but you know, and mm-hmm. a couple of other things. But you can absolutely continue for free at that point. Um, and, and then basically you can have a look at projects that clients have posted. So an example of a project could be somebody saying, you know, I would like a new logo design. So you can then bid on that project. And then if the client chooses to hire, you deliver that project. And the other thing you can do is you can also list your services. So you can, for example, say, you know, you'll design a basic logo in a certain style with four revisions for $500 or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And then sort of have that up on the marketplace where clients can can find you as well. So you can um, kind of have a presence so clients can can find you kind of in a more passive way. And then you can also proactively reach clients by bidding on project requests. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. Like I was, I'm scrolling through right now. I just clicked on graphic design on the main page and, you know, I'll use the logo design, for example. I see you have Revel Answers pick. Uh, could you give a breakdown like what, what that's like, the the I'm, I'm assuming you're picking out specific freelancers, maybe that have had a you know a lot of success on the the site, maybe. Well, um, it, it's uh, our moderation team um, looks at uh, you know listings that really stand out um, and, and mm-hmm. sort of you know are are, are very good um, for you know uh, and, and any particular reason, and then they can highlight those. So it's sort of like an, an editor's pick kind of thing mm-hmm. because all the services go through a moderation queue before they go live anyway. Um, so we always have a few um, Revelances picks of listings that we think um, stand out and are worth a look for our clients, especially. Have you ever had somebody uh, start out as a freelancer that maybe you thought was a good fit, you know, behind the scenes for Revelancer? I wasn't sure what your the pool of clients was that you were getting in. Maybe you've worked with some of them yourself then outside of that. Oh, yes. I mean, we work with freelancers from the platform all the time. You know, we <laughs> we, we, we obviously we, we have to practice what, what we preach, but mm-hmm. we have a community of fantastic freelancers. So we have the Revelancer magazine where, where we publish. I think we've published um, more than 200 articles now that help freelancers get started. Um, and the majority of those, I believe, um, have been written by, you know, sourced to freelancers on the platform. So, you know, mm-hmm. freelancers from the platform basically being paid to write about their freelancing experience to help other freelancers. Um, so, yeah, we, we use um, freelancers from from the platform all the time. Nice. And I saw you also have like the uh, the plus page, which is like the mini website. Was that something more recent or is that a, something that started out as well? It is a lot more recent, yeah, and and basically it's um, where you can have, you know, for example, plus dot page forward slash Josh as like a mm-hmm. some a link in bio solution for social media, but you can also showcase your 
your work, um, you know, kind of an about me and also have the, uh, give clients the ability to contact you. So it's kind of a great link tree alternative built specifically for freelancers or people who want to link to other places, but also very much showcase their, their work. Yeah. Awesome. So let me, I'll ask this then. Let's say I'm a, uh, a, a, you know, a business or whatever. I'm looking for, you know, a new website design. Obviously they can click through on your page find a website uh you know designer or somebody that's working on that what is the experience like for the business owner uh on their end of things obviously you explain the the freelancer side of it yeah sure so for a business it's it's even easier so basically um without even signing up you can fill out the post your project form which will get your project immediately in front of our community of freelancers and you'll get emails um, as freelancers send you proposals. So that's the first way. That's a lot easier and a lot more hands-off for clients. Mm-hmm. Um, but then another, you know, kind of if you want to look for inspiration, you don't know exactly what you're looking for yet, is you can browse through the listings on the marketplace just like you you just were mm-hmm. um, and, and then find, you know, a, a listing and... and source a freelancer in in that way instead so you again have two options one of them is to put your brief out there and then have people come to you or the second one is if you're sort of looking for inspiration um is you can can go look through the marketplace and find a freelancer that way instead nice kind of stepping away from revelancer then too uh obviously you've had a lot of experiences with you know building up these different you know brands and businesses and things like that is there like a specific advice you'd give based on your experiences, like uh, working with different teams and working through slightly different industries and things like that? Is there a piece of advice you'd give somebody based on your experiences for, you know, a young entrepreneur, you know, trying to start out, find their footing? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I think that, I mean, the most important thing is is to not be afraid of um, failing and just to, mm-hmm. to keep going at it because, you know, 95% plus of everything I've ever tried has failed miserably. Um, but that's not a bad thing because I, I have learned so much from it and it helps me avoid certain pitfalls now. You know, the things that did work, I can replicate that now and sort of get further with it. But it's important to remember that it takes the um, average self-made millionaire, it takes them 12 attempts to really make it. <laughs> and, and also on average, they have seven different income streams. So... You know, the, the the key lesson from that is to just keep trying. Don't be afraid of, of failing. It you know it really doesn't matter very much, especially if you're young and just starting out and you don't have that many um, responsibilities. Mm-hmm. You know, you just just try as many different things as possible. Most of them will fail, but you'll learn so much. And then eventually, you know, when the stakes are high and you you really go for it, then you are really set up for success at that point. But again, even if you fail, um, you'll learn even more and be in a better position for next time you try. So yeah, just just keep failing forward, essentially. How would you, do you have uh, advice on how to balance something like focusing on all of these, uh, you know, entrepreneurial attempts with, you know, work and life? Because I know you said like you were focusing 50, 60 hours a week on, on some of these projects while in school, maybe? Well, I, I think not, not quite. I mean, this, you know, for oh. 50, 60 hours was after I graduated from oh, university. Okay, okay. Um, Misunderstood. Yeah, but, but uh, yeah, I mean, um, I, I'd say be very honest with yourself about what you want out of life. Um, and, and, you know, and that 
probably in most cases isn't starting a business. So, you know, only start a business if you really think that that's something for you. Or if you're just somewhat curious because you don't want to regret um, not having tried. But if you know for a fact that that's just not really for you, then don't do it, you know, because it is tough. um, uh, And and you really need to be motivated to to, to get through it. so, yeah, I mean, in terms of balancing stuff, I mean, yeah, fig- figure out what it is you want. And if you do decide that starting a business is what you want to do, then perhaps think about putting more emphasis on on focusing on that. That's what I did. You know, I, to a large degree, ignored school. I, to a large degree, ignored university um, to focus on this stuff instead. And so far, it's it's paying off um, very nicely. But even if, if my business were to fail, I still wouldn't regret it because of all the learnings, you know, that, that I, I have now. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'd say figure out what's important to you and then focus on that, be that um, school, university, or starting a business or whatever else it is you want to do in life. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I was going to ask too, the, uh, obviously, you're very focused on Rebel Answer, growing that. Do you have plans on it, like any other ideas for different businesses uh, you might be interested in the future? I know people myself who have, they refer to themselves as like serial entrepreneurs, you know, where they get involved in a business, they grow it, and they kind of maybe hand the reins off to a, you know, a trusted associate to run the business for them in the background. Uh, I didn't know if you had a similar, any similar ideas or if it's, you're just 100% in on Revelancer. Um, I mean, Revelancer, I, I, well, I, I think... You know, you you need to kind of focus on one specific problem. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that's that's the best way to go about it. So, for example, Revelance is focused on, you know, bringing freelancing into the twenty first century and making it, yeah. you know, fairer and freer, essentially. Um, so, you know, we have launched different products. We have changed what the business does. What the business does now is, is you know, quite different from when we started out. And, you know, yeah. it'll still be quite different probably from what we do, you know, in six months, a year from now. Um, but it'll all still be looking to solve that that same problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, yes, you know, I, I get lots of different ideas. Most of them are around the freelancing space because that's what I spend so much time thinking about. Yeah. Um but I have no intention of starting in any other businesses, you know, while mm. I'm um, still concentrating on on Revelancer. And hopefully one day, you know, once I've exited Revelancer um, and, you know, hopefully made a lot of money from that, <laughs> I would like to start a, a venture capital fund that invests in early stage startups. Because I think the only thing other than being an entrepreneur that I would want to do is sort of... Um, uh, in investing in and mentoring other entrepreneurs so kind of doing that on a larger scale but you know kind yeah. of playing a, a small smaller role but with more kind of um, different companies awesome so optimistic about revel answer but also cautiously looking ahead to the future knowing that you're fully invested in the current project Yes, absolutely. I mean, the the VC that I want to start is is probably a few decades away still. That's yeah. kind of my, you know, retirement plan. I think until then, I I want to, um, I, you know, I I want to run my my own business. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's important to be passionate about something too. I mean, I feel like if you're not, it's like you had said, if if it's not something you're fully invested in, it's not worth doing. Maybe it's more important to to make sure you enjoy what you're doing. 
Well, yeah, I mean, you're just wasting your time otherwise, and, and why on earth would you waste yeah. your own time? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I I really kind of covered most of what I wanted to talk about. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to bring up before we, we ramp up here. I didn't want to bore um, you with yeah, questions. I, mean, <laughs> I, I suppose one, one last thing that I wanted to just touch on is, um, you know, if, if you do feel that you want to start a business, I would say like, you know, just absolutely give, give it a try. Um, and you really don't need to have all the questions to start with, you know, all, all you need is a, is a hypothesis really, you know, and your hypothesis could be, I don't know, um, current toothbrushes are not good enough. You know, I don't know, maybe they're not recyclable and you're going to make a, a bamboo toothbrush or whatever it is, you know, and, and basically that, and you, you know, you have kind of have your problem statement and then you try and find a solution to it. Um, that's, that's really all you need to start with all these other things, like sort of hiring people, even registering the business, um, setting up a website, you can figure that out along the way. So definitely speak to people who have done those things. That's the easiest and fastest way to learn how to do those kind of things effectively. If you don't have the experience yourself, mm -hmm. um, but absolutely just go for it, you know? because you don't you don't want to regret not having tried um and you know and I, and i think that we regret the things we we don't do much more so than the things that we do and and that don't go to plan um so yeah absolutely give it a shot but equally if that's not for you then don't feel like you need to you need to do that you know focus on what makes you happy what what gives you a purpose uh, and go all all in on that um yeah just be honest with yourself and then, and then follow your passion. Awesome. That's very well said. Um, yeah. Awesome. And I, I really appreciate coming. I had a really good time chatting about this. It's very informative, very eye opening. I really loved the, your story about, you know, just starting at a young age, working your way up, having all these different projects. Uh, it's very impressive to say the least. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks very much for having me. I, I really enjoyed our conversation and I hope I, I said something that's useful to, to someone today. Um, and, and yeah, wishing everyone all the best. Yes. Why don't you tell people where they can go to, to check out obviously Revel Answer and anything else? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you have any questions for me directly, then feel free to um, connect with me on, on LinkedIn. Um, and if you want to check out Revel Answer, uh, well, basically just <laughs> Google Revel Answer uh, or go to <laughs> revelanswer.com and, and you'll find it from there. Thank you. That was, yeah. Fantastic, man. I, Really appreciate it. It was a fantastic conversation. Very informative. Revel answer. Fantastic. Uh, everyone go check out digestiveproductions.live. Got links to all of it in the description. Links to Revel answer obviously are going to be in the description as well. I want to thank our sponsors, G95 Apparel and Surfshark for sponsoring this episode. Thank you so much for being here, man. I really appreciate it.